Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Coming off of Father's Day weekend, I uh, got to hang out with my kids. It was kind of cool. Well, I get to hang with them all the time, so it's, I guess it's kind of stupid <laughs> me saying that. No, but this was the first weekend in a long time. That, that I didn't work due to COVID? You. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but we had you all weekend, so it was good. But yeah, I guess it feels kind of weird for you because you normally be teaching on weekends. Yeah, uh, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto and Windsor, I think, are like one of the only places in Ontario that is still in phase one. And therefore, we, can, we don't have a whole bunch of things opened up like restaurant patios and... Um, uh, our classes we can't do one-on-one or not one-on-one we can't do uh group classes yet until we're in phase two but i think uh mr ford is uh, going to be on tv today hopefully saying something different about phase two for us hopefully i hope so well hey everyone it's amanda and yeah yesterday was father's day so to anyone who was celebrating yesterday happy belated father's day i think by the time this episode comes out i'm gonna be really late on that one yeah but you know i was thinking about you And today we have a really fun guest on the phone. His name is Jameson. He's a massage therapy student. And the way we got him here, I'm actually going to let Mark talk about (laughs) that. So uh, this this dude, man, I I was, uh, I don't know if I was, I was reading stuff online or if I was in a Facebook group. I don't know where the hell I saw it because it was a long time ago. Maybe it wasn't that long ago, but my memory's just bad because, you know. But yeah, I saw this cool article about this dude who lives in his, this was in the winter months because I think the headline from the article is something like you woke up with like frozen snot or something like that. I don't know. Maybe I made that fucking thing. I don't know. Maybe I made that up. But then there was a real cool article in Toronto Life about this gentleman who is a massage therapy student, as Amanda said, in Barrie at Georgian College. And uh, this guy lives in his van, man. I thought that was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. You have no idea, Jameson. Like, we became obsessed for a while not even with that. like tiny I'm homes. I, with, exactly. With like people that take conversion a, vans. Yes, conversion vans, uh, yurts, like all these different things that people make into homes. So seeing an article in Toronto Life, so it's, you know, already making it someone local, someone close to us, and the fact that you were a massage therapy student, like, I've never seen him more excited to get in touch with somebody as when he read about you. <laughs> so thanks for agreeing to actually talk with us today, even yeah, though I it's saw not the, in person. I saw the article, and then I'm like, I'm going to find this guy. Then I jumped on Facebook, did a little typing thing, reached out, and was like, yeah, let's do a podcast. And then it turned into... Uh, kind of busy which this guy's super busy because he does a whole bunch of things you know you think living in your van makes you not busy but apparently it makes you super busy i didn't mean that in a negative way either by the way but no, <laughs> no not at all of yeah. course yeah it's actually been uh it's, it's quite busy part of living in the van is it's nice because you don't want to be there all the time so you're always engaging in other things which has been it's been great for for being a student and also for uh having time for extra work. Let's start at the beginning, Jameson. For everybody listening, can you give a brief introduction about yourself, maybe what you were doing pre-massage therapy school, um, where you were living before the van, how the van became home? And anyone who has read the Toronto Life article, this might be some repeat, but I have not read the article, so I would like to learn a little bit about you. Sure. So, yep, I'm Jameson, and I'm a mature student in the massage therapy program. I uh, just celebrated my 38th birthday yesterday on Father's Day, actually. Happy birthday! It was our our youngest daughter's birthday yesterday as well. Oh wow! Happy birthday! Thank you. Yeah. So um, before this, I was a teacher. I studied in Thunder Bay, and then after I was done my undergrad, I moved to Korea. So I was there for about three years, kind of doing the ESL thing. Uh, decided that I really enjoyed teaching. Went back to Thunder Bay, got my teaching degree, and then as soon as I was done, I moved to Taiwan. And I was in a love affair with Taiwan for like maybe five or six years. 
And then uh, while I was there, I became really interested in mountaineering and a lot of climbing. So I decided to sell everything there and hike a trail called the Pacific Crest Trail. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a, it's a footpath that goes from Mexico to Canada through the mountains. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that took six months. And it how, was like, how have they not made a movie about your life yet? Like, we've just started. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Go on. I'm fascinated. So so that took about six months and um, was pretty intense. Like, it covered the whole emotional spectrum. So when I came back from that, I was kind of in a really interesting headspace uh, because, for one, I hadn't been living in Canada for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And two, I had sort of just had this, like, really uh, life-changing experience that made it even more difficult to kind of assimilate into normal Ontario culture, if you will. Can I ask you a question about doing sure. something like that? Because it, it fascinates me. So, for example, like, I'm a huge Rush fan, the Canadian trio, and um, their drummer, who recently passed, he's written a whole bunch of books about his travels. And one of the things that he wrote about when his daughter passed away, she was in an automobile accident coming back from Quebec, um, going to university. She got into a really bad accident and passed. And then I think nine months later, his partner or his wife died of ovarian cancer and he kind of went crazy and he's he's big into motorcycling so he jumped on his bike from northern quebec and rode to alaska and then rode from alaska all the way down the west coast into central america and he thought he was going to be okay then and flew back home into Quebec and he realized I'm not okay. He flew back and then he rode all the way from Central America into South America, you know, just trying to clear his head and stuff. But I get how he does it because he's got tons of money. So it's always baffled me or I try to figure out like how do people do it if you're not like fucking rock star rich like this guy? Do you just sell all your shit and then just you just have all this cash from selling all your shit? Or do you have nothing and you just like rack up credit cards? Like what do you how does this work? How do you make this work from a money standpoint? Well for me, um living abroad, I didn't have things like a mortgage or a car payment. Uh, right. like I rode a scooter everywhere. So it's a lot easier to just survive on uh a limited amount of money if you don't have a lot of money going out each month. Mm. So for me to do this trip um, I obsessed about it for about a year prior and just put away money. Um, when I left Taiwan, uh, we sold all of the stuff that we had there because we weren't taking it on the plane with us. So we had this little nest egg that would uh, pay for the trip itself. Ideally, we ran out of money. But then it would also allow me to just pay the small bills that I had to keep going while I was doing it. So when I finished that hike, I definitely came home very broke and in, a, in an interesting headspace trying to sort of figure out what my next plan of attack may be. But... Uh, but yeah, I think that the key is to not, is just not to put things on credit, man. Mm, interesting. So you weren't traveling alone. You said we a few times. You had a travel companion? I did, yeah. So um, uh, my partner at the time uh, and I both lived in Taiwan and then we flew back to do this hike. Okay. Yeah. That's one thing, like as fascinating as it is, I've got to say, I'm kind of a chicken. Like the idea of traveling and doing all of these adventurous things that I hear other people doing, and I know a lot of people do them themselves. The thought of that gives me such anxiety. I can't imagine doing something like that by myself. I feel like I would go crazy if I didn't have another human being with me the whole time. Right. And that was like, I was really anxious because of that as well. Um, just the idea that you're not only like doing something really exciting, but you're in some seriously remote wilderness in the mountains out there. Yeah. Sometimes you might be um, like, you have an idea of how many miles you're going to hike in a day, but then you're on the side of a mountain. And when you decide that you want to quit, maybe you can't because there's nowhere safe to pitch a tent for the night. So there'd be times where you'd hike like long into the night um, with just your headlamps. You could find a suitable place 
to be able to set up a tent where it would be safe. Oh my so God, the idea of doing chills. that alone is just terrifying. Yeah, I just got chills even like thinking about so that. So is there ever any time when you're doing this, you're like, fuck it, I don't want to do <laughs> and then, But you can't. Like, what are you going to do? Like, well, I, how think, do you, I think how that's do you what he meant when he said it was like a roller coaster of emotions. I'm sure there was days yeah, where I'm you talking, were like, what am I doing? I'm talking about like just sit on the fucking ground and cry and rock yourself back and forth. It's like, I just want to be home or somewhere where it's not, I'm sleeping on the ground. I don't know. Will you tell us, James, did those moments ever hit you where you were like, I don't know what I got myself into? Oh, absolutely. And it was cyclical. I mean, you would have that because it was six months. So you would have that emotion and then it would get better. And then you'd run the whole gamut again, only be a little later in the season. Like it just, it was just this cycle that just kept repeating itself over and over and over again. What does that do for you psychologically? Like, do you feel like you learned a lot about yourself? Do you feel like you realized that you, you were a lot stronger and a lot more capable than you thought you were? Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, and that, that's the big takeaway. And I think that that idea is what kind of rolled into, um, the whole van life and the idea of me being able to, to go back to school and sort of make it work without a lot of money in the bank or the desire to, to go into debt to, to finish my education for sure. So, um, like being on, being on the trail, you'll sort of realize that, uh, like I went into it thinking that I was going to have this big transformation. And at the end of this sort of spiritual journey, I would be a different human. And then the whole time, like when it finishes, you realize you're still just yourself. Like I didn't morph into anyone else, but now I have this experience to draw upon that, like when you got to dig deep, it's not like an unknown thing. I kind of know what to expect and know uh, what I'm capable of. So it makes some things easier for sure. That's I feel cool. like that would make everything easier, at least everything that I go through in a fucking day <laughs> or a lifetime. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like once you do something like that, then, then what's hard after that? What's it, hard? It's, it's the most cliche thing, but I mean, that's I assume where that is cliche saying what doesn't kill you makes you stronger came from is once you actually do something and then you're faced with all of these ridiculous obstacles and challenges you're like well you know i hiked through the middle of fucking nowhere for six months i'm good i'm good i can do this right. i know apparently you could have had that same experience with the dominatrix we found out the other day <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah did you listen to that episode we had on a former rmt who was involved in the kink world and she had a uh, I don't know how she described it, but something like it, sort of a spiritual transformation through being the the dom or dominatrix. Wow. Yeah, I haven't heard that episode yet, but I'll have to check it out when we're done. Yeah, could you save you six months? I, <laughs> yeah, right. I think everybody has to go on their own oh, type okay, of gotcha, spiritual gotcha, journey. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I like how you said, though, you came back and you realized, well, I'm still me. Because I, I think that the idea of having some sort of spiritual awakening or transformation or whatever, it means different things to different people. But I think that that's a good way to let people realize that sometimes it's just about actually recognizing like who you are and what you're capable of. That in itself is growth. That is a transformation is sometimes you maybe don't know exactly all of the things you're capable of. You might not know, you know, what your limits are, what you're afraid of, what makes you happy. And being out in the middle of nowhere and really, like you said, living on nothing and running out of money also makes you realize what is super important and what you can do. And hence now you're a student, a mature student living in a van and you're cool with it <laughs> when you're when you're out in the in the bush do you run into other people that are out in the bush doing the same thing you're doing or is it just like a pure solitary thing like just nobody no no so the pacific crest trail is um about 2660 miles i don't know without being kilometers but it's quite a few i don't do um, math we'll just we'll just go yeah. ahead <laughs> So it runs uh like I said from Mexico to Canada through the through the desert through the high Sierras uh through the ranges of northern California um the Cascades 
in Washington, and I forget the name of the range in Oregon. It's a big deal. So about every year, the year that I did it, um, about 2,000 people attempted it. So when you're at the southern terminus in the desert section, there are tons of people. Right. So everyone's like on this mission and they're trying to trying to accomplish it. But slowly as you move forward, the groups just wean out. So by the time that we hit the high Sierras, which is 702 miles into the trip, it had been drastically reduced. Did you meet anybody along the way that the two of you, you know, like traveled with for any period of time? Or did you guys kind of stick to yourselves? No, no. We, we, had, a, we had a trail family, as they call them. Um, yeah, so we had... It's funny because you'd have certain groups of people, like we had uh, two other people that were sort of with us constantly, but then, so the way it goes is since it's so far, you'll hike for uh, like five to ten days, you'll find a trailhead, and then you'll hitchhike to the closest town. Mm. And then in that town, you'll you'll resupply, you'll get all the food and stuff you need, uh, have a shower, if you can afford it, like, you know, get a hotel or whatever, hitchhike back to the trail, and then move on to the next section. Hitchhiking? Yeah. So this hitch, like we hitchhiked a lot. But because the trail is so well known and you could pick out a what you call a through hiker a mile away, they have a very distinct look, very distinct smell. <laughs> I was going to say, you guys probably all stunk so bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you get a lot of uh, people pick you up, no problem. Would you pick up, Amanda? Me personally, probably not. But I also don't live in this region where this is normal. I live in Toronto where if you don't know somebody, you don't even make eye contact. We are the rudest people <laughs> in North America. We don't even look at other people. So no, I probably wouldn't. You don't want to pick someone up and discover seven minute abs? No. <laughs> my my upbringing does Whenever not. I hear hitchhiking, that's all I think of is that <laughs> one scene in something about Mary. Seven minute abs. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's 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 talk about when you came back. Sure. Yeah. So we finished this hike, um, and we're kind of we weren't really sure what we wanted to do. So somehow we ended up opening up a coffee shop. So we moved sure, to Port sure. Elgin. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> and we uh, we ran a coffee shop for a couple of years. So a few years there, and uh, it just didn't feel like the right fit. I mean, I was working a lot. I wasn't making a lot of money. I sort of transitioned from being um, just in the mountains all the time or working abroad to now like really trying to grind it out with my own business. So ended up selling that two years later. That would have been 2017. And then I was kind of just like drifting around. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I didn't really want to teach anymore. I tried my hand at uh, carpentry. I worked as an arborist for a little bit. And I just felt this sort of um, this underlying need to be in uh, in healthcare. Like I was really interested in massage and I kept telling myself, like, oh, I don't know. I don't have any money. It doesn't make any sense to go back to school. Like, I'm already in my mid to late 30s. It just, it just is not the right time. But then I got to the point where I thought, well, if it's not now, then when is the right time? Right. So I didn't have, I didn't have really any money saved up. I knew that I was in a position where I didn't want to be borrowing money to, uh, to go to school. And I already had the van, but it wasn't really built. It was just sort of this, this shell of a van that I would sometimes throw a mattress in the back of and sort of go camping for the weekend or whatever. So wait, before we get into the, the construction of the van, where were you living at this? So are you still at this point living in Port Elgin after you've sold the coffee shop, trying to figure out your life? Like, are you living in an apartment? Are you in a house? Are you couch surfing? I sold the coffee shop and I moved back home just to be close to the family because I had also been gone for so long and it'd been like a decade really since I'm sorry I, uh, I forget where was home where are you originally home is, from? So right that's where I am right now is in Penetang machine on Georgian Bay oh, okay gotcha, cool gotcha. cool all right yeah yeah so I came back to I came back to Penetang um in the interim before deciding to go to school okay and then the van yeah tell me about this van what kind of van is it it's a 2006 GMC Savannah nice uh yeah 
2500. So it's, it's a like super beat up old work van yeah, yeah. that, um, that had within the States actually. So it never seen a winter. So although it was pretty, pretty rough looking, it was mechanically sound and a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I picked that up for like 3500 Canadian. Um, and it's been, you know, it doesn't owe me anything. It's been great for me. So what yeah. did you do to it? As I said, I didn't read the article in Toronto Life. Paint a picture for a, sure, a word sure. picture so for our listeners. <laughs> so in the beginning, it was just I had insulated it, sort of wired it for solar with the idea that one day I would have these solar. Um, and I just enrolled for school, enrolled in school and showed up on the first day. Um, I knew that I wasn't going to be commuting or anything because it was just too much money. So before it was really built and I really understood what my needs were, I was already in school. And then winter came, and as that happened, I knew very quickly that I needed to sort of get things going as soon as possible. Mm. So if we were to look at the inside, um, it's all insulated. I've got tongue groove pine on the walls and the ceiling. Uh, There's a divider between the cab in the front and the back, and that's all insulated, so that's sort of like a barrier between uh, the the windshield and that cold getting in. It's all painted. I've got uh, some storage for all of my clothing and then a small area that I can cook. It's very, it's like, it's very rustic, very rudimentary. What do you cook on? Is it like a hot plate? Um, I just cook on my camp stove. Oh. But what I will do is, so the van was kind of only part of it. So when I got to school and I sort of figured things out, um, I got a part-time job at Mountain Equipment Co-op and then I got a job running the rock climbing wall at the college. So for me, both of those places had uh, a refrigerator. Both of them had showers. showers like, yeah, <laughs> yeah Mac is great. They've got showers for their staff in case say you want to like bike to work or whatever. So I have uh, showers, refrigerators, um, somewhat of a kitchen at the co-op. And so I was able, because I had all of that infrastructure outside of the van, I was able to then um, sort of take care of, of business, uh, be able to um, you know, be professional at school and in my work environment. I was going to ask about the showering and bathroom situation because I've read articles about other people who have done this, converted vehicles into a living space. And I remember one couple I read about, they were using the facilities at a gym. And I said, well, that like, what about the middle of the night? I, I got to be like, what if you wake up in the middle of the night and you have to go to the bathroom? What do you do? Donald's yeah. So, I mean, that's important. the first question that most people ask me. Yeah, I got to know. <laughs> I think that I'm just like blessed with regular. I don't know. Oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> I go to bed and I'm out until the morning and it's, it's never really been an issue for me. So last night for, as I said, it was my, it was our daughter's birthday. So she turned three and because of COVID, obviously we're not doing birthday parties. So we asked her a few weeks ago, what do you want to do for your birthday? She said, I want to go for a bike ride and get ice cream. Simple. I love this kid. So yesterday afternoon, we went for a bike ride. We rode two Baskin Robbins. We got some ice cream. We rode back. Anyway, the other thing she wanted was to have a family sleepover. So she wanted, we dragged the mattresses out into our living room and we all slept together in the living room last night. But this isn't something we we normally do. And as we're getting ready to go to bed, Mark said to me, these are the times, these are the situations that when I get into these situations, I guess he has like a nervous bladder. He's like, I suddenly have to pee 75 times no, at night because I'm afraid to get up and wake everybody it's, up. <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird thing that I have going on. How do I say this? When I start to get into my head thinking I got to piss, <laughs> it doesn't go away. But I always have these thoughts at times when I know 
I don't want to get up and piss. So for example, if I'm going to go to a concert, then that's all I end up thinking about is, fuck, I got to piss. I got to piss. I got to piss. And I just sit there. Not, not so much a concert, because I don't care if I get up in a concert, right? Because everyone's standing well, up. Well, the example you're saying is if we go to If I'm at a show place. or I'm at a movie, for example, I'm like, can we fucking get aisle seats? Because right. I have this kind of nervous thing that makes me think I have to piss. I actually don't, but I just want like not to interrupt anyone. So if I'm sleeping at your parents' house, it's the same idea or we're at a cottage and there's other people that are sleeping i'm like fuck i don't want to be the guy that interrupts everyone so i have this really kind of nervous <laughs> piss sensation that doesn't go away but i don't actually have to piss so for for, for me in the van i would feel the exact same way like yeah. i would probably end up honestly parking at a mcdonald's parking lot and that way well i'm a dude if i just piss i just go piss anywhere <laughs> on the side of a fucking building but you get the idea yeah i don't so- know why you drag this out of me i had to because it was so funny like i mean he didn't want to wake up his own kids right well so haven't you ever noticed we're getting ready to go to bed every, and he's like freaking out like what if i have to pee what every, if i have to pee every single time we're buying tickets for a show not necessarily a concert but even concerts i'm like can we just fucking get aisle seats yeah, please i really aisle need seats. aisle seats I, or even on a plane oh my god you know how many times i sit there and i'm thinking to myself i gotta fucking take a leak but i don't want to have to bug the fucking person beside me to get up and blah 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 and then i gotta go stand in a line to take a piss like, it's, so, it's such a such a fucking ordeal just to fucking use a lot <laughs> Can you imagine being inside Mark's head? It's impossible. I'm going to just <laughs> adult fucking diapers. That's what I'm doing today. You guys just made me realize I'm buying adult diapers. Well, anyway, Jameson, thankfully, you're blessed with this regularity, regularity. so you don't have to worry about park. But has it ever happened? Has there ever been a time where you're like in your van sleeping somewhere and you realize when you wake, like you get up in the middle of the night and you need something, but you don't have it? Or have you just been really, really lucky this entire time? Well, I mean, look, to be honest, I might sneak a peep out in the parking lot once in a while in the middle of the night yeah. if, uh, you know, if no one's around. But but aside from that, it's been fine. And so I'll generally uh, end up sleeping in parking lots in and around the college. So there's usually like a Tim Horton exactly. or McDonald's somewhere. And pissing yeah. for dudes is so like, I'll give you an example. No, you guys are so But lucky. it's not even that like, <laughs> I, I will literally piss anywhere. So we were coming back. Was it, was this a Florida trip with you? Or was it with a bunch of other people before when I pissed in a washroom, like literally in a washroom? That was with me. Like I, I, it was so disgusting. We were driving back from Florida, probably somewhere in Ohio. It's the middle of the fucking night because we're just doing this run to go all the way fucking home, right? So it's like a 22 hour drive we pull up to this gas station and this is with a, a pisser in the back so i go in and i'm like hey man can the i get dirty can i get can i get a key to the washroom he gives me the key to the washroom i open the washroom door and there's nothing but fucking water all over the floor of the washroom I'm like i am not stepping in there i literally stood in the doorway and i pissed into the washroom <laughs> just on the floor <laughs> he came back to the car and told me this i'm like you are the reason like you people like you you are the what, reason what, these s- washrooms gonna, are so disgusting i'm gonna step in there I feel like and then put my like, feet in my car I feel like you could have went around the crazy? building there was like some trees Listen. or something <laughs> right <laughs> good point good point at that point why even use the washroom just go into the well, forest well I'm already standing there in this open doorway <laughs> and the floor's already wet I'm like you know what this is happening so gross I can't believe you just admitted that on air anyway <laughs> Well, okay, so the, you normally park close to the school, so it's super convenient for you. When you were getting those jobs at, um, what is it, Mountain Co-op, and what was the other job you said you had? At the college. So at the college, college right. The, right. Has a climbing wall. Yeah. Did you do those things strategically so that you wouldn't have to figure out, you know, where you're going to store your food, where you're going to shower? Was that all a part of the plan, or did it yeah, just all absolutely. fall into oh, okay. Yeah, so I knew that, like, logistically, 
it, it wouldn't work unless I had that support. Now, mind you, if I didn't work at the college or not, it's open at six. Yeah. So, um, I could, I could just go and shower and do what I need to do there regardless. Right. But the fact that I work there is kind of like, you know, I don't need to, to, you, you got the, you got the perks of being, being an employee for you sure. You can use a fridge, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a, that's <laughs> yeah, a big point. Yeah. Cause like when I, I did a podcast with someone that I went to uh, massage school with and she was, she was into bodybuilding. So she was doing workouts at like fucking as soon as the gym cracked open in the morning and she was doing like two or three workouts a day. So then she would also be the, the last person there at night. She's like, literally, I could have just slept in my car because I'm constantly in the gym using their shower, everything else. I was at, I was at my, she was at, at that time, I think living at her sister place and she was like i was there so little amount of time that i might as well have not even been there i could have just slept in my car except meal prep right. for a bodybuilder yeah. <laughs> yeah. so what's it like i mean if you if somebody came to you and said you know i'm thinking about doing something like this give us some some pros and cons of the van life i mean obviously a huge pro is the money you're saving right now um but give me some other pros and cons or maybe things that maybe people wouldn't think of sure so Pros, like like you said, right off the bat, the first is that um, I'm practically rent free. Yeah. Right. Um, although the the vehicle itself is kind of a pig on gas, um, because I'm not traveling anywhere, it's actually really cheap on gas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just like everything's in Barrie. I'm either at the school for school or work, or on the weekends I'm at Mountain Equipment Co-op for work. Right. So everything's cheap. Pro number one, super cheap. Um, pro number two, and as a student, I think that this is um, the greatest, is that just by the nature of the van, it's square footage, and the fact that there's like nothing, no amenities or anything fun to do in it, I'm always motivated to be somewhere else. Right. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I go to the gym, I go to my classes. When I'm done classes, I'll study. I'll study maybe more than I would if I was in a different situation where I could go home and just edge out and, you know, like watch Netflix or hang out or just kind of just being somewhere that's a little more comfortable than maybe a parking lot. Right. So it keeps me really engaged. I guess the Wi-Fi in the van isn't uh, like having Wi-Fi at home. No, it's not so good. <laughs> and because like, you know, I can only afford so much Wi-Fi through the phone. Uh, it really, it really stops me from just kind of hanging out and scrolling. I'll say if I want to just veg at night, I'll download something from Netflix onto my phone, watch that, or I'll read, I'll read quite a bit. Mm. Yeah. So that would be another pro. I think that like my grades are really good. And that has a lot to do with being in the van. Um, and it also means that, like, I'm sort of running high. I'm redlining all the time. I'm always at work, at school, keep myself busy. Or I'm taking time to go and visit friends and have that connection with other people. Awesome. Yeah. What about the cons? Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I would say the cons are the fact that it it feels lonely. So I'm doing all this by myself. Right. Um, you sort of finish your day or finish our school day and everyone goes home to do whatever they're doing. And then I'm sort of still at the school. I'll be there. Like, like, like your, your friend you were talking about. I'm at the school almost all the time. Yeah. It's, it's the gym. It's my classes. It's the library. It's sort of where I do most of my things. So. And then your job on top of that, right? Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. So, um, it can feel pretty lonely, especially when the day's done and you're like walking out to a, a parking lot in the dark. Especially in the winter too, right? Yeah, I can imagine weather must be killer in a van then. Brutal, um, but you, you, you know, I've got some strategies now, and I've sort of upgraded. The so, van like, van. what do you do on a day like today, or like the weekend that we had, which was like Blistering crazy hot. hot? Well, so I have a fan in the ceiling, and everything's designed for the solar to be put on, and I have the panels and everything, but I don't have the expertise to get them on the roof. So I've been trying to get some help from a friend, but he's just been so busy. So last summer, for example. 
it was so hot and I'm just in this box that's like all tongue and groove pine and just feels and smells like a sauna and you're just roasting. So you sort of just, there were times where I would just commit to not having a good night's sleep and I would just say, I know it's rough and it's going to happen and then we'll wake up tomorrow, you know, and it's going to be maybe not the best day, but so it goes. Hmm. And I think a lot of that resiliency came from, from the hike. I don't think if I didn't have that sort of understanding already, I might be in a different position. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you have family in Penetang, which isn't super far from Barrie. Do you ever, like, if you know that there's a weekend coming up that's going to be blister, like, do you ever just go home for a bit? Or do you have you committed to being in the van 100% of the time? Well, I think that it's more like my schedule that that I've, I've like, set up a schedule for myself that means that I'm busy pretty much every day. Right. So I would work uh, Saturday and Sunday full shifts at Mountain Equipment Co-op mm-hmm. and then be working uh, three days a week at the college while also in school full time. So they're really, I would go like seven days a week for maybe a couple months at a time. Wow. Yeah. So we just, we're really making it happen. I have a question about your own self-care. Before you do that, I just, I just, cause I'm curious as hell. Do you get your snail mail delivered to your folks house? Do you I have, I thought a, about the mail do earlier. Have, do you yeah. have a PO <laughs> box or? Yeah, no. So, um, even when I was living abroad, like the license, um, the mailing address in my Ontario, uh, driver's license was my parents' house. Gotcha. So all mail, all correspondence has gone uh, through them for quite a long time now. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of let it ride, let it stay the way it was. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, self-care. So mm-hmm. you are busy 100% of the time by the sounds of it. You're going to school, you're working. And you know, as you said, being in the van motivates you to always be doing something. What do you do to make sure that you're not burning yourself out? And I know that's such a blanket term because it can mean something different to everybody. But do you ever catch yourself like completely running on adrenaline and realize like, I need to fucking chill? And what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. I get a massage. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Right. So, I mean, in the program, it's nice that uh, like that's how I really take care of myself. So I'm pretty active. I'll get a massage once a week. Um, I see a great physiotherapist for like my cranky shoulder and then at night um honestly i'll just like smoke a little bit of cbd Mm. try and get a good night's sleep just let it all sort of wash away and then start the next day i'm starting to wonder if maybe i'm a bit of a workaholic and this is sort of just like what i'm operating on these days Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah i just try and i just try and take care of myself as best i can i can tell if i've been going hard for like a couple months i feel like my blood pressure is starting to rise and stuff and then i'll just take a weekend off work and I'll go and just get out in the woods or chill or whatever. But so far, it's, it's been it's been pretty good. What about food? And like, I know you're using the um, the refrigerators that your works provide for you. What what's your what's your meal prep like? What's your meal plans like? Do you keep things pretty simple? Like, I assume you're not making gourmet meals all the time. Do you have like a plan every week, or is it just whatever happens that week? Yeah. So in the beginning, I didn't have much of a plan, and I found myself. Um, just eating like garbage food. I'd be eating at the, not to say the college has garbage food, but just like nothing's home homemade, right? Well, that's what I imagined when you, you know, we first started talking is I imagined, and that's why I asked about self-care. I imagined myself. I'm, I always try to put myself into these, these situations and see like, what would I struggle with? And I thought about the idea of it just being easier to get takeout all the time, or like you said, to eat at the college or whatever. And then I thought, I feel like I would end up feeling like shit. I feel like my digestive system would just be in shambles because I wouldn't be I wouldn't be eating properly. But I assume by now you've you've come up with some sort of system for yourself. Yeah, so in the beginning that was definitely definitely a big issue. 
Um, I went through first semester kind of in that, uh, in that mode because I didn't have a lot figured out, to be honest, at that point. I was just, just making it happen, right? Just, mm-hmm. just glad to be in school. So what I've started doing before COVID hit is I would, um, I would meal prep on Sundays and I would have pretty much all of my meals planned. And it was good because with just like working out and stuff, it's nice to have that sort of, um, regimented diet. Like mm-hmm. if, if you're going to have it, it might as well be of benefit to you. So I would have sort of things all planned out, all the Tupperware and everything. I would just stash it at the college and then I would make breakfast in the van, just something simple like, uh, oatmeal with some, some fruit and stuff. And then just have my, my meals prepped for the week. See, Mark? Keeps you regular. I guess, yeah. <laughs> regular, you got it. So are you known at Georgian as the older crazy van dude? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Well, like, do your classmates are be like, hey, that's that's the older guy. That's who the guy in the that lives van. in the van. And, you know? Well, what was crazy is that this was something that I kind of kept under wraps in the beginning because I didn't want um, it to sort of skew people's impression of of me, right? I wanted to be able to be represented by what? You know, what? What were you trying to steer them away from that impression? What were you hoping that they were were not going to think? Well, maybe that I was like homeless and destitute and just sort of on the fringe, whereas this was a conscious choice for me to set myself up for success once I was done school. Hmm. Yeah, because that's just not the way of most people's like. I don't think people even blink at debt anymore these days. Like it seems like everybody I meet has debt, right? I mean, I mean, well, even a mortgage is a debt. You live in it, you die every, in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody's always in debt, and I, I like how you said that at the beginning that you just you want to don't want to owe money to anybody, and you'll figure out a way to do it. And even if that means you know sacrificing some conveniences, we have such fucking first world problems. Like I oh. love talking to people like you that are like, whatever, it's it's fine. You don't need all of these things. You want to watch a movie at night sure download it during the day and then you can watch a movie at night we don't have to stream everything all the time oh we are all such gluttons yeah sorry though i cut you off though you were telling us uh, about what what you didn't want people to know and you kind of kept it under wraps yeah so i just sort of wanted the first impression to just be about like myself as a person and my merit uh as a student um but like a lot of people knew i wasn't hiding it from anyone either but what was crazy is when this article came out, uh, it blew up. Like, I guess because it was attached to Georgian College, mm-hmm. it was um, running, they were like running ads on Facebook and stuff. Mm. So people recognized the van and they recognized me because I worked at the college and with everyone coming in and out of the athletic center, like, you know, you can recognize the face. So as soon as it came out, I was for maybe two weeks like, that guy in the van as I was walking down the hall. <laughs> You're famous. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of the faculty didn't realize that I lived in the van. Mm. So then the article started making the rounds amongst faculty, and then all my teachers are talking about it. Um, and I'm getting calls from newspapers, uh, various podcasts, and people are contacting the college itself, seeing if they'll release my information so that they can get in touch with me. Wow. Yeah. So it went from being very obscure to all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like. In your face. How did Toronto Life get in touch with you? Like, how did you find, did they find you or you found them? They found me. So because I worked at the co-op, um, some other van lifers had come through and we were talking to each other, you know, about van life and, and, and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And then I guess she was doing sort of an expose on, on different people who had been living in their vans and had got in touch with them who then referred, uh, referred her to me. Oh, so I think she was cool. also expecting that I was living in like this, you know, highly Instagrammable, hundred thousand dollar sprinter yeah. and she she showed up for the interview and saw my really rustic uh creeper van and was it was, it was a pretty interesting interview. 
Were there photos of the van and the article? Did you see the van, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm going to have to go back and read the article. But like I said to you off mic, I kind of like that I didn't read it before we were talking because I'm learning about all of this firsthand right now. Right. Um, When we do release this episode, I think that we need to have a picture of Jameson with the van in with the show notes. Yeah, great. So why massage therapy then? You said you wanted to get into something in healthcare. Why Why of all of the stuff? And you got a university degree. It's not like you had to do something where, you know, you couldn't do like physio or chiro or whatever the case is, right? You're already there or you're part of the way there. Why massage? I really don't know. It just sort of, it just seemed like the right fit. Um, when I started, I didn't know a lot about what really went into making uh, like a good massage therapist and how comprehensive the program was and the knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like kind of coming into it, I wasn't really sure what I was getting into and then very quickly sort of fell in love with, with everything about it. Like it's just been so challenging and already so rewarding for me. Um, it just seemed it just seemed convenient to me more than anything. I knew that there was a, a program being offered close to home in Barrie. Uh, it seemed like something that I could... I could manage given where I was at and like how much money I had in the bank and what I wanted to invest into it at the time. So it just sort of fell into place. I started getting into yoga a little bit more and, um, and I'd, I'd met a few therapists and they had a lot of success in it. I also found that for how I want to live and the amount of money I want to make, it seemed like, like a, a great opportunity. I could make my own hours. I could charge what I wanted. It just seemed like a good way moving forward. Yeah, for sure. This is definitely a career that I think you will enjoy just based on what you said about owning the coffee shop. You know, that was like you had to grind all the time. You had to hustle. Not that you don't have to work hard when you're a massage therapist. If you want to be successful, of course you do. And in the beginning, you're going to be really, really busy building up your practice. But you do that so you can get to a phase in your career where you can decide how much or how little you want to work, when you want to work, what clients you want to have. It's very, it's customizable, Mm -hmm. this career, which is what I love about it, which is why I got into it as well. I'm curious about when you're finished school, is it is it no more van for you or is it like fuck this? I'm getting a I'm getting a nicer van. Like this is this is my <laughs> this is what I'm doing here. Van life no. forever. Yeah. No, that is not the case at all. So even now the COVID's here, um I like I moved back home and already I can tell that it's gonna be much more difficult to get back into the oh, van. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, I'm just yeah. like full kitchen, full <laughs> bathroom, yeah. all all the luxuries here, right? So so, although, I mean, I really enjoy it and I think that I'd like to take some extended trips, um, this isn't, it wasn't first and foremost like a lifestyle mm-hmm. choice for me as much as it was a means to an end. Right, right. Can I ask you one more question about that? Then I'll move away from it. Sorry, I'm a little obsessed. I know you're a busy guy and you're in school and you, you have your schedule where you're doing everything all the time. Yeah. Does, uh, does being in a van, living in a van, that's your home does that make dating a little hard? I absolutely knew that's what you were going to ask. Curious. That's why I was staring. I'm, <laughs> I'm curious. You know, it it definitely does. But what I find is it's uh, like it really separates the sort of people. It does half of the, the weeding out for me already. For sure. The girls are either really into it or really not into it. There's not much of a gray zone, um, which, which is convenient for sure. Yeah, I could see how that could be convenient. Uh, back to massage. Were you Sorry, a, were you a regular client of massage therapy before getting into it? Like I know you said you didn't really know the depth of the program, but were you already a, a patient yourself before you did this? Not in Ontario. So living in Taiwan, Taiwan has incredible health insurance, so I can get uh, both Eastern and Western medicine um, for free. So I'd be getting like massage once a week, acupuncture once a week, um, and I was doing that for for years while I was living there. 
So I had an idea about it from, from living abroad, but it was very different from what I then sort of saw and got into when I enrolled in the program here. Yeah, for sure. You'd mentioned you worked as an arborist for a bit. One of my first clients way back when I became a therapist was an arborist and he had calves like rocks from climbing trees all day. How are your, how are your calves when you were an arborist? Well, actually I was on the ground crew as an arborist. Oh, okay. So it was more like super. <laughs> Super jacked forearms, right? <laughs> yeah, I was treat. Yeah, this guy that I was treating, he climbed trees all day. So he would come to get his. He was probably coming to me about like two or three times a month, and it was mostly because his legs, because he was climbing trees all the time. I've never felt calves like that. Yeah, not so much for me. I'm a pretty lanky guy, so I don't, uh, I don't get too jacked anywhere. So what's the plan now? How much, how much more time do you have in school? And actually, what is what is Georgian doing during COVID? Are you guys all doing online stuff. How does it work right now? And how much how much more time do you have in your program? So I'm in semester five of six. I'm in the fast track. So instead of it being three years, it's, it's crammed into two. Um, and we're going right through the summer. Nice. So this all kind of sort of came about at the end of last semester, which w- would have been my fourth. Mm-hmm. But luckily enough, we were right at the tail end. So I had gotten all the uh, hands-on hours I needed for that semester. And we just sort of like finished out the last few weeks um, using using WebEx, so just online stuff. Right, right, right. Then we moved into this semester, and what they've done is we've front-loaded, so it's 15-week program, 15-week semester. Yeah. They've front-loaded the first 12 with all of the theory, Yeah. Mm-hmm. and then we're going to be back in the clinic uh, for the month of August, and it will be full-on. Like, mm-hmm. instead of just a couple hours a week, it's just one month, sort of Monday to Friday, we're there doing this intensive program, and then that will make up for this semester. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, so my last semester will be uh, this fall, and just the nature of the program and how it runs, I'll only have one sort of theoretical class by that point, just a business course, and then everything else will be hands-on. So we'll do the business course online, and I'll do the hands-on at the college. When you guys go back for August to do all the hands-on stuff, have they come up with a plan to stagger you? Are you guys going back to regular classes? Because I assume they'll have to cap the class sizes now. Yeah, well, so when we get into... Uh, now that we're in the later semesters of the program, the numbers are a little, a little smaller. And I mean, the, uh, the facility is, is just incredible. So we've got enough space for everyone to be spread out. Um, they've definitely got gaps between, uh, when clients come in so that we can, we can obviously clean appropriately. And then we'll have all the, the PPE. Massage therapy college during COVID. Yeah. I mean, anything during COVID. This has been the weirdest few months of my entire life. Yeah, agreed. Is it weird for you, though? Because, like, you, you were six months, in the, you know what I mean? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. Yeah. So, for me, like, I'm thriving in this situation. Yeah. So, I've got time for school without the obligation of two jobs. Yeah. Um, I'm sleeping great in these hot, you know, in this hot season if I'm not in the van. All of the stress from work and the logistics of the van is sort of gone. Um, I'm currently receiving the CERB payment. So, I've, I've, you know, I'm not worried about finances, mm-hmm. and I'm just focusing on school while also having a bit of time for myself and friends and stuff on the weekend. I love it. I love hearing positive things come out of COVID because, I mean, a lot of people have really gotten kicked in the ass with this. So every time I hear something positive that came out of it, I'm like, oh, just kind of, I don't know, even if it's not for me or for somebody really close to me, I feel like it takes just a small little weight off because I feel like everything's just been really heavy. So. Anybody that says, like, I'm doing good right now, I'm like, oh, that's good. Something good is coming out of this. Yeah, yeah, of course. I almost feel bad doing so well. Given what's all what's going on. Yeah, no, I I agree with you there. Yeah, Mark was having trouble. I mean, it's not like we've had 
really any income coming in, but even when a little bit would come in, you know, if somebody would buy an online course, he would have this extreme guilt, like, well, nobody else is making any money. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this like $200 yeah. you made isn't really getting us that far ahead. Well, that, you don't have to feel guilty. That, I felt, gu- I'm not going to lie. I felt guilty when RMTs were not allowed to work. Yeah. I'd have the nod person well, one off buy an online course because we don't have many online courses. So when someone does, I'm like, okay, cool. That's not our major source of income. But now that RMTs are allowed to work again and I can't work still because I still can't do in-class stuff, I'm like, fuck off, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Why aren't you feeling bad about making a buck when I felt fucking bad about making a buck when you couldn't work? See, you shouldn't have been feeling guilty. (laughs) God damn it. Anything that we haven't covered yet? Anything you want to ask Jameson about? I mean, I know that you could talk about van life all day because as I said, we're obsessed with this. I want to know what's the longest your beard's ever been because I can imagine that (laughs) you must have at some point had this massive fucking beard. ZZ Top beard. I did. I had a huge beard. Like, that's one thing I've got going for me is I got a strong beard game for sure. <laughs> uh, I'll have to send you a picture. Maybe you could use that photo. Yeah, for sure. When uh, we put out, yeah, I had a really, really big beard. You know, probably down halfway down my sternum. Oh, wow. Oh, my that's God. Serious. Yeah, that's serious. Yeah. Beard maintenance. I've, I've asked a few of my other bearded friends about this. Like, I can imagine that you have to really maintain it or like it's hair on your face. Wouldn't it just smell and be disgusting unless you've got like some sort of beard routine? Yeah. So, I mean, when I was on trail, I kept a long beard. Because everything's just like I'm pretty bald as well, so I also allowed myself to grow out, grow everything out on top, which was pretty disgusting. But you're sort of just <laughs> out there doing it, so um, yeah, the beard was just it was more of a more of a rat's nest than anything else, but it worked. <laughs> Right on. Last question before we let you go about your regular life. Um, yep. Mark already asked you if you plan on living in the van. The answer is no. You're gonna you're gonna eventually live in, a, I guess, a house or an apartment or something. Do you have plans for yourself as a massage therapist? Like, do you plan to open a business? Do you plan to go get a job somewhere? Or have you not really gotten that far in your planning yet? Well, I mean, I have some ideas, but I'm just want to stay. I just want to stay fluid and kind of open to the possibilities. Um, I've been entertaining. I don't think that I would want to come right out of the gate and, and start a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, part of me wanting to change careers was to be able to have the sort of lifestyle that I'm looking for. And if I was committed to like worrying about, uh, the overhead associated with a business right away, I worry that it could be too overwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that I want to take a step back from that. And I also recognize coming out of school that, uh, like there's just so much to learn, you know? Yeah. So I would really, I feel like I could really benefit from working um, with somebody for a little while, sort of having some of that mentorship before moving, and of course, establishing my own uh, client base, right, before moving into something a little bit bigger. Yeah. I also have a bit of a love affair with the mountains, and I've been sort of playing with the idea of maybe going out to BC, but I don't know. I don't know yet. There's so many possibilities. I, I, feel, like really you, I feel like you would love Alberta and BC and working out there. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see how it goes, man. I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm just more than anything, really. And I wanted to ask you guys' opinion on this. Um, like, I feel so nervous about the first time that someone pays me for treatment because up until this point, it's just all been for school and things. But then when that happens, it's like you're you're accountable, like you're you're on the spot. Uh, how did you guys feel, sort of coming out of school and then starting your own practice? You want me to go first? So I have a different story, right? Because I was already doing a lot of therapy stuff before you, massage yeah, school. Yeah, that's true. So. so yeah, when I came out of when I came out of massage school, I was probably in my mid to late twenties, and 
I definitely felt nervous. A lot of my nerves I recognize now, and I think at the time I probably did as well, but maybe didn't want to admit it, was I was married to somebody who had 20 years of experience between kinesiology and massage and training. And to be honest with you, I didn't feel like I knew enough. So that's why when you said, when you come out of school, there's so much to learn. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. So I, my first place of uh, employment was I was renting a room in a chiropractic clinic and I was the only therapist. So I didn't really have anybody to turn to other than my husband. And I've also said this on other episodes before, sometimes the worst person to learn from is your own husband. I don't know. That's probably my own ego is I wouldn't want to admit to him that like, I don't know as much as you. But um, I got a job uh, well, not a job, I guess. Well, it, it was a job, but I, I was running my own practice, just renting a space in a chiro clinic. And I was lucky the chiropractor there was really willing to work with me. Um, the longer we worked together, it was interesting. I realized how different her and I were in the way that we approached patients and the way that we treated. And so that was a learning experience. And it was helpful, even though I didn't take away a lot from her necessarily in terms of how I treat. It made me realize what I didn't want to do, if that makes sense. Like we were very, we were very different. She was very, very conservative in the way she did things. And I, I really, I wasn't. So a good example is if somebody came in and they were in a lot of pain and she, you know, she did her treatment on them, she might tell them, okay, if they're a tennis player, no tennis for the next two weeks. Whereas my mentality was very different. And maybe it's because I did personal training before. If you're a tennis player and you're coming to me for therapy, I'm not telling you don't play tennis. We're going to modify and do everything we can to get you playing tennis as soon as possible. So we were different in, in that respect, but I felt like my confidence came out pretty quickly. As soon as you start treating people and you see the results objectively and subjectively, you start getting confident enough in yourself and being able to know that you're not necessarily always going to be, I'm putting this in air quotes, like right, or you might not totally understand what's going on with a person, but just being being confident enough to say to them, like, we'll figure this out. You know, we'll work together. We'll figure this out. I might not know exactly what what's happening right now or what's going to work, but let's figure this out. And if you can get your clients on board to really trust you and trust the process, then yeah, asking them for money doesn't really seem that scary because you are doing something for them and they're involved in it. Right. Right. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Well, it makes me feel a little better. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, everybody, I've, I've joked about this before. I don't actually think I sucked, but I always say like, yeah, when I first came to school, I sucked. It's not that I sucked, but like you come out and you haven't really developed a style yet because you haven't worked on like, yeah, you work on people in student clinic, but the people that come to student clinic are usually not the people who have serious issues, right? Because the people have serious issues, they're going to pay a professional. They want right. somebody with the license. The people that were coming to student clinic were like, oh, I can get a $30 massage. Yeah, sure. I sit at a computer all day. So it's not until you get out and you start getting the real experience and then applying what you've learned and, you know, maybe making mistakes sometimes. And when I say mistakes, meaning like, you know, maybe not quite understanding what's going on with a person, but the more you do it, the more you practice, it it becomes easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love How about it. you, Mark? What, I mean, yeah, you had yeah, experience. Mine, mine was different because by time I went to massage school. I think I was already working as a kid for like five or six years. Yeah, it had been a while. And dealing with rehab and patients and stuff. So I didn't, you know, school for me was different in that regard. I didn't feel like I needed, I, hmm, I felt very confident 
is and I probably felt too confident because like even felt overly confident like when I'm having an instructor teach me stuff I'm like nah, I don't know you know what I mean I even <laughs> felt like a little challenging towards that a little bit so I didn't really feel bad about getting paid for this work but at the end of the day you have a, this now massive knowledge base and you paid to go to school and everything like yeah it's part of the game right people pay for your time and your time is valuable and the information that you give someone and what you do with them has a lot of value to it so I mean, maybe I see it a little differently. I don't know. No, that's I think, really great. That's I really, think once yeah. you get out there, you'll you'll realize that you know a lot more than you you think you know. <laughs> Especially with student clinic and stuff, right? So use what you got going on. Um, make those decisions for yourself. I used to teach at a massage therapy college and I used to supervise a clinic. And there's a massive difference between a student that's always like is scared to make a move without the supervisor and the instructor saying, yeah, good idea or yeah, good idea. Like I'd rather see you kind of critically think your way through it, make that move and you screw it up a little bit. No big deal. We fixed this idea, but have the confidence to make that move on your own. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm excited for you. There's so many possibilities at a certain point in the episode, I was going to ask you, like, paint a picture of what your life is going to look like in five years. But there's no point in doing that because it's open. You, Like you said, you're open to just being fluid and figuring out as you go along what's going to make you happy and give you that lifestyle that you've been waiting for, hoping for, wanting. Yeah, I think eventually I'd like to to have my own practice, like run a business, maybe have a few uh, few other employees and whatnot. But I just don't want to rush anything. I want to make sure that um, that the timing's right and that it's it's set up for success as opposed to just trying to, to jump into that right out of school. Oh, for sure. And and let, let COVID be a lesson to a lot of people because we've had conversations with people whose clinics went belly up for not being able to operate for, what, three months? Yeah. yeah. And they totally lost out on everything. Like, we had someone on our podcast, I feel horrible, but her clinic is, what, maybe five years old? Tiffany? Yeah. Yeah, Tiffany had to close her doors and it was only five years old. Yikes. But it is what it is and I'm sure she will figure something else out for her. COVID was not anything that anybody could have imagined was going to hit us and everyone's just doing what they can with it now. So if you've got no other questions for Jameson, Jameson, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Oh, he has one more. What's your favorite beer and what's your favorite whiskey? Because this guy, I bet you he likes a good whiskey. <laughs> my favorite, <laughs> that's funny. Well, obviously my favorite whiskey is going to have to be my namesake. <laughs> it's got to be Jameson's, right? Uh, when it comes to beer, I'm I'm cool with anything. Uh, if it's like, if it's for drinkability, I'll go, I'll keep it, I'll keep it trashy and I'll go for like some bush. Yeah. If, uh, if I'm sampling something a little more fancy, I like something that's kind of, kind of dark. I'm not so much into the IPAs or anything hoppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't speak beer. <laughs> <laughs> like sure. Hoppy, whatever that means. Right. Yep. Mark's got you. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Jameson. This was very interesting, and I can't wait to actually go read the Toronto Life article now. And as I said, when we're going to put this episode out, we will contact you to get some awesome pictures of your van to go along with it. Cool. That would be great. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. Right on. It's been good talking. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.